Well, I'm grateful for Pastor Danny for sharing his pulpit with me this morning. How do you um, prepare a message with great pastors in the room, such as um, Pastor uh, Tisdall and, and Dr. Forshe and great preacher here and others in the room? And you know what? You just preach Jesus. Um, you just preach Jesus' words. And so this morning, I'm going to point you to the light of the world, and I'm excited I'm like a kid in a candy store. I'm excited to, to, to bring this message to you this morning. So I'm having a blast being your student pastor for 400, today is my 430th day, and I am, I am loving it, I'm enjoying it, and I, I, listen, these students showed out Wednesday night. I just want to brag on them for a second. They invited countless students in our community to come to Elevate. I don't know how many. It had to be hundreds. We had 16 first-time guests Wednesday night. That is incredible, an amazing thing. Yes. So, so proud of them. We've seen a, a seven students saved in the past um, several weeks. So I'm going to talk to you about the light of the world this morning. I want us to talk about darkness just a little bit. And you guys need to lighten up just a little bit. Um, and, and, and be honest. How many of you as a kid were scared of the dark? Don't even think about it. Just put, come on, be honest. You were scared of the dark. Darkness is a real thing, all right? And in a recent survey of college students, um, right at 50% of college students said they are scared of the dark. This is called nyctophobia. All right? It is this thing that haunts its victims with the fear of the dark. I even got on the internet and I was, went to type in afraid of the dark. And as soon as I put in afraid, you know what popped up? Of the dark popped up. It is the number one word searched in, in relation to darkness is fear and being afraid. All right, so here's a test to find out if you were afraid of the dark as a child. If your nightlight was so bright that when you turned it on in the evening, the neighbor thought someone was shining their window, then you might have nyctophobia. You might be afraid of the dark. How many of you might, you might relate to this? The, the closet door could not be open. It had, could not even be cracked, not even a half an inch. You had to get up and close it so the boogeyman wouldn't come out of the closet. He'd never done it before, but he could. He could come out of a closet and get you. Maybe you got up in the middle of the night to use the restroom, and you didn't just step off the bed. You leaped six to eight feet off the bed. Why? So the boogeyman wouldn't reach out and grab you by the ankles. Yes, fear of the dark. You might prefer light over darkness. I want us to pray because there is a darkness. There is a darkness that is apparent. And the prince of darkness, he's real. You believe that? Turn to the person next to you and say, the devil. Don't call them the devil. Just say the devil, okay? Stop. This will get you in trouble. Don't do that. The devil is a real person. He's the prince of darkness. He prevents us from seeing things around us at times. 
It's not that they aren't there. You see, light doesn't, light doesn't create things in a sense that it just allows us to see them. Dr. Butler could tell you how that works. Something about light takes an object and sends it to our retina. It's backwards. It's inverted or something. He tried to explain that to me. He lost me at a beam of light going into my eye. All right, so that was like confusing, but it goes in and, it, and our eye flips it over and it sends those electrical impulses to our brain and it tells us this is what you are seeing. I want us this morning to call on a God. Can we do that? Can we call on a God that, that, that would speak to us this morning that could take us out of a darkness that we may not even know that we have? You see, the enemy is a deceiver because he, he's, he's in the business of deception. And so, guys, maybe this morning there's a routine. We get in it. We do this Baptist thing. I do it. I do it. I have your attention right now, don't it? It gets a little awkward. We get in this. Guys, let's pray. Can we do this? Last time I preached, I, the only thing I remember about the sermon, I didn't even remember the title. But here's what I remember. I remember asking a church to pray with me. And there's nothing magical about bowing your heads and closing your eyes. But I said, dear Lord, and I looked up and I saw hundreds of eyes and I saw hundreds of posture. Can we pray this morning? Can we just pause and get out of the mundane, the routine and just pray? Can we do that? And so what I want you to do is bow your heads and close your eyes. Not, there's nothing magical about that. But what it is doing is that you're turning your attention to a holy God that wants to speak to us this morning. And so just say, God, just in the quietness of your heart or in the whisper, would you open my eyes? Whether you are 85 years old and you've been at this church for 40 years, or whether you're four years old, you're probably not in this room. But either way... We need to see Jesus this morning, and I want to point you to Him, and so let's ask Him, pray with me. Pray for yourself. Lord, there's a present danger in the fears that come when we submit to the unknown and the enemy operates in darkness, Lord, but you are the light of the world. And so would you illuminate our hearts this morning? Show us your glory. Lord, take the next 30 minutes. And I'm just asking you to impart through your words, through the words of Jesus Christ himself. Would you speak to each and every heart here? Lord, would you call people in this room out of a realm that they may not even know they're in? Lord, there's some here this morning that know where they're at. They know who they are. They know who you are. I pray that they would submit to the light of the world this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. If you have your copy of God's Word, would you turn with me to John chapter 8 and verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12, a very familiar verse. But it will be on the screens if you do not have a Bible. I want you to look at it. This is cool. Jesus... Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. 
Now, this is really a sweet verse. I want to take you back in time 2,000 years ago to when Jesus said these very words. Jesus was in Jerusalem. He was at the temple. There was a festival going on, a Feast of Tabernacles, or the Festival of Booths. Um, this is one of three mandatory festivals that Israelites must attend. God commanded it back in Deuteronomy, said, you must attend this festival to honor. It was a celebration, honoring the booths or the tents that they had, had, had stayed in through the wilderness as God led them by a fire at night and a cloud by day. Remember that? pretty sweet. So Jesus is here. He's in the temple. He's speaking these words. Verse 20 even tells us where he is at in the temple. This is really neat for me to see this. He is standing in the treasury of the temple. Verse 20 tells us that it is the court of women. Treasury of the temple, historians tell us there were 13 receptacles um, where you could give your money. You could go to the treasury of the temple and give your money to specific things for the temple, for the temple use. Jesus is standing there, and this is really cool. There's festivities all around. It's the Feast of Tabernacles. This is, a, this is happened in the seventh month of the year. It's the design time from the 15th of the month through the 22nd, seven days. Jesus is standing in the court of women, and he makes this amazing announcement. He says, I'm the light of the world. Each night, this is sweet, each night people gathered in that very place, the court of women, and awaited the lighting of the lights. Did you know that? They're awaiting the lighting of these lights. They say there were four, at least four huge candelabras torches that were lit, light everywhere spread out. Candelabras filled the court of women. In this place, light was everywhere. Um, the lamps were lit to commemorate Jesus or God, the light of God, leading the people out of Egypt. It was lit to commemorate God leading them through the wilderness at night. Historians tell us that this lighting of the candelabras and the lights were, was accompanied by festive music, celebration. There was a party going on. I mean food, probably food that would rival one of Great Hill's potlucks. I doubt it. I'm just telling you that because I know it was really cool, but I seriously doubt that because you guys know how to throw some food down. You've invested in me well. So Jesus is standing there. Special men of piety are, are singing. There's a celebration going on. Perhaps it's right in the middle of this illumination. It's called the illumination of the temple. And he stands there and, makes, and says these words, I'm the light of the world. Historians also tell us that Isaiah 4, 49 and verse 6 was read to the people at this time. You know what it says? I am the light. Jesus standing here in the perfect stage to make his announcement. And, and it sounded like an outrageous claim to the Pharisees. They were ready to kill Jesus. They had been arguing and were feuding with him. It was no small stir in the court of women as the Pharisees stared Jesus down, scrutinizing his every word. They were ready to take him out. Why? Why were they ready to take Jesus out? 
because darkness had, had filled their eyes, because he claimed to be the Messiah, and that was not what they thought he should be doing. Who would, where, why would Messiah come from Nazareth? And so they're questioning Jesus in this debate. Um, his introduction as Messiah was rejected. The religious leaders wanted to kill him. Darkness filled their hearts. In chapter 7, verse 51, even Nicodemus' plea for fairness was not heard. So Jesus makes this magnificent metaphor in the center of the most illuminated area that anyone had ever seen, okay? There was not halogen lights back then. You couldn't flip a switch and, and your fluorescent light light the room up read some accounts that claim that this, this illumination could be viewed from every home in Jerusalem. It was visible. It would light, and the light would flood up the side of the wall. One historian wrote that, that it, would, it would flood out the side walls, and it would shine onto the sky, and you could see it from everywhere, from long distances. And Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. So let's break this down and chew on it a little bit. Who is the light? Who is the light? First of all, Jesus is saying, I am the light. I'm God. That's what Jesus was saying. That's crazy. He says, I am God. Standing right there, I'm God. He uses the tetragrammaton, I am. Okay? He makes this second of seven I am statements through the gospel. We see him say, I am this light. He's claiming to be God, to be Yahweh, Creator, Elohim. This Greek word, phos, P-H-O-S, probably not the Greek letters, but that's the English translation. This is the source of light, as opposed to a reflection, as a opposed to any other light. It's the source, and Jesus is saying, I'm the source. So why does He say that? Um, this will be on the screens, Isaiah 42, 5 through 8 gives us reason that Jesus would use this beautiful illustration. It says, God, read along with me, God the Lord created the heavens and stretched them out. He created the earth and everything in it. His breath, He gives breath to everyone, life to everyone who walks the earth. And it is He who says, I, the Lord, have called you to demonstrate my righteousness. I will take you by the hand and guard you. I will give you to my people, Israel, as a symbol of my covenant with them. Check this out. And you will be a light to guide the nations. There's your light. There's your Messiah. Hundreds of years earlier, verse 7, you will open the eyes of the blind. He did that. You will free the captives from prison. He did that. You will release those who sit in dark dungeons. I am the Lord. This is my name. I will not give my glory to anyone else, nor share my praise with carved idols. God is saying, Jesus is saying, I am God. I am the source of life. I'm the source. I am the light of the world. You know, our light that lights earth is the sun, S-U-N, correct? Is the moon a light? The moon is not the source of light, 
The moon is a reflection of the light. Most of you know that. And this moon reflects the sun. It's a lot like what we are called to do as Christians, to reflect the Son of God and allow Him to lighten us and to be a source of light to the earth. Isn't it beautiful that God put that there? As the sun gives off life, gives off light, so we should reflect the Son of God. We should reflect God. This is the God, as Jesus claims here in the temple, the God of Genesis 1, where He says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. Later on in verse 26, He says, let us, that us there is Elohim, the first name we have for God. He says, let us make man in our image. Jesus stood in the temple, in the illumination of the temple, in the court of women. We assume it was the time of illumination. We know it was that week. He stood there and said, I'm the creator of the world. I'm God. And the church was ready to kill him. They didn't like that. How could he do this? You know, light is a fascinating thing. I, I have to read this to you. Um, science tells us, this is cool. Science tells us that light, I love cool stuff. Let me just tell you, when I see something like this, I just have to share it. Some of you probably could write a better definition than this. But here, here's a little definition of light. They say it's constituted of three rays, groups or wavelengths, and they are distinct from each other. Listen, no one of which without the other would be light. Sound a lot like the Holy Spirit? A little bit? Each ray has its own separate function. The light originates, the second formulates, I'm sorry, the first originates, the second formulates or in, in, illuminates or manifests, and the third consummates. The first ray often gives off invisible light. It's neither seen nor felt. The second ray is both seen and felt, and the third is not seen, but is felt. You know, God, Jesus, was sent by God, and, he's, and God is standing in the temple, and He says, I'm the light of the world, I'm God. Secondly, we see that He fulfilled prophecy. He was prophecy fulfilled right there in that moment. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. He claims prophecy to be the Messiah. Even rabbis in that day claimed that the Messiah would be the light of the world. So they were looking for Him, and they recognized who He was claiming to be. I love the fact that the light came to do the will of the Father. He did not come to do His own initiative or to work His own plan. He came submissive to God Himself to die for me and for you, and He did just that. Do you know that? I shared that with a 20, 21-year-old young man a few weeks ago that had never heard that Jesus died for him. He had never heard that God took on a, a human form, walked amongst men 33 years, and willingly gave himself as a sacrifice in obedience to the Father for me and for you. 
so that we could live, so that we could have life, so that we, didn't, we don't have to be dead in our trespasses and sin, so that we can have the light that leads to life. What a beautiful thing. Who is the light? Fulfilled prophecy. Number three, the light opposes darkness. This light is the one who opposes darkness. It is the only way, the light of Jesus Christ, the only way that darkness is expelled. John 9, 39, it'll be on the screens. John 9, verse 39, Jesus said, I entered this world to render judgment. What's the judgment? Blindness. To give sight to the blind and to show those that see that they are, think they see that they are blind. To give sight to the blind and to show those that think they see that they are indeed blind. Jesus is saying, I have all power here to expel the darknesses of Satan. I am the answer is what he's saying. Light in that moment is exposing darkness, and he's, he's attempting to enable everyone to see who he is. And this morning, I want you to see the light of the world. I want you to see Jesus this morning. I want you to see him as one who opposes darkness, one that we can call out to at all times. And the problem is, is the darkness is cunning. He is crafty. Um, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. So what is Satan doing? He's faking it. He's moving around the world, and he is trying to convince people that he is right and he is the light. He is also, 1 Peter 5, 8, he is like a lion. Why? Why is he like a lion roaming the earth seeking who he can devour? Because he wants to be God. He wants to be the lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He wants to be God himself. And Jesus opposes him. Here's what I love about the Word of God. I love the fact that God's Word gives us a plan to come alongside Jesus and to see the enemy defeated in our lives. I stole an acrostic from Dr. Jeff Crawford. I did not even ask permission because he would be cool with it. But I want to give you an acrostic this morning for HIT, H-I-T. This is Satan's motive. This is the way he attacks. He wants to hit you, okay? He wants to get you when you're hungry, when you're isolated and tired. Hungry, that's the word, hit. Isolated and tired. He'll tempt you both spiritually and physically when you're hungry. Feast on the Word of God. Take God's Word in. I have yet to sit down with a, with a student addicted to pornography that is in the Word of God every day. It's never happened. I've sat down with hundreds of students and had that conversation, but not one was in the Word of God every day. Feed yourself on God's Word. There's power there. It's power. It's alive. Isolated. Remember in the garden? He did the same thing in, in Eden. Eden. He isolated Eve. He, he, he tempted her with, with food, with hunger. Got her off, and he wants to do that. He wants to get us when we're alone. So we must resist him. We resist him. We don't play games with darkness. We have to resist Him. We have to have a plan. And the third thing is tired, spiritual, physical fatigue. Rest brings on more dark darkness. Man, a lot more I could say there. Um, Psalm 112, 
the psalmist says, light shines in darkness. Ephesians 5, 11, you might want to write that down and go read that passage. Read Ephesians 5, talks about that men love darkness more than they love light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. What does that mean? Men love darkness more than light because of sin. Jesus came so that we could receive forgiveness from the thing that we cannot whip. And He defeated it. And He took our sin as far as the east is from the west. And He has a plan for us. And maybe today, maybe today, even right where you're seated right now, you could meet Jesus. You can meet Jesus today. You don't need to wait until the end of the, end of the service. We're going to have pastors and counselors down here that can talk with you about giving your life to Jesus. You don't even have to wait for that. Right now where you're seated, you can say, Jesus, if He's calling your heart, if He's tugging at your life, you can say, I receive you. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Talk to Him. He is right there to hear you and to minister to you. Because of this sin, we need a Savior. We need a Savior. It's the only way that darkness is defeated is with the light of the Word, the light of the world, Jesus Himself. So that leads me to the fourth point. Jesus claimed there in the temple that He is salvation. He is the Savior of the world. Isn't that cool? The Savior of the world. Jesus here, he, he's, he's referring to Isaiah 49, 6, I believe, which I alluded to earlier was read, uh, according to historians, was read during the illumination of the temple, the Feast of, of Tabernacle. And Isaiah 49, verse 6 will be on the screen. It says this, he says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Two words that jump out to me, Gentile and earth. Jesus is salvation to the world, to, to earth, to everyone. He came so that everyone could have life. There is no other life or no other light beside Jesus. He's exclusive, and I'm so proud that He included me in that. His exclusive, exclusivity, that's a hard word to say, his exclusiveness, that's easier, included me. He included you if you place your trust in Him. Through the light we have power. Um, we have power to the blind to receive sight. Through the light dead people are made alive. Through the light lost people are found. Through the light sick are healed. Through the light the, the bound people are freed. Through the light in belief total forgiveness of sin comes. Through the light. It's through Jesus. John 12, 46 tells us this. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust, your Bible might say belief. I like the word trust. All who put their trust in me will no longer remain. You know, trust is a powerful word as opposed to belief, you can believe that George Washington was the first president, but you're probably not trusting in him for, ever, for anything right now. You can even know this morning, the point is you can know the light of the world is Jesus, 
You can know this morning that the light of the world came to die for your sins. You can know this morning that on the third day He rose from the grave. You can know that He ascended, descended. You can know that He, he ripped the curtain from, from top to bottom in impossibility. You can know all those things, that the veil was torn and we have access to the Father now. You can know all of that and still not know Jesus. James 2.19 says that the demons, that the devil, believes and trembles in the presence of God. He believes. He shakes and shudders in the presence of God. Do you trust Him? Jesus is offering us this morning a chance to come out of darkness, a darkness that we cannot whip. Romans 3 verse 10, we He says, none is righteous. No one's righteous. We are all in need of Jesus. Why do men trust, or why do men not trust Jesus? It's because they love darkness more than light. Read John chapter 3. Look at the encounter with Nicodemus and check it out. Jesus says those words, men love darkness more than light. You know, the light stood in the temple. Jesus himself, the Son of God, And he claims to be the only way. And he says there that my light leads to life. Okay? Leads to life. John 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way, ladies and gentlemen. There is no other. There's no plan B. He is the way. Do you know him this morning? I want us to respond in two ways. Um, I'm going I'm to talk to Christians just a little bit, and I'm going to talk to everyone just a little bit. Um, a couple of ways that we respond to the light is to follow Him and to reflect Him. But let's, let's dive in to follow Him, and then we will close this morning. We are to follow this light. Did you notice that? John 8, 12, I am the light of the world if you follow me. See that? reminded me of, of, of Moses. He met the light at a burning bush that was not consumed. And what did he do? He heard, and did he set up camp, build a church, and invite all his friends over and start singing about the light that he just met? And just, no, he followed it. He obeyed it. And those are good things, but I'm not saying that. But he obeyed and he followed. The Israelites led, as we talked about, through the night by a light. Saul, remember Saul? He's on the Damascus Road. He's on a journey persecuting Christians, and he meets the light of the world. And the light calls him to leave everything and to, and to change his life, to repent of his plans and to adopt God's plans for his life. And what did he do? What did he do? He followed him. Turn the person next to you and say, he followed. This is good. He followed. Yes, he did. Following the light is important. The word follow here means to pursue him. It's to commit oneself unreservedly to Jesus as Lord and Savior, both in conduct and doctrine. Jesus here debunks universalism, this religion that says all roads lead to heaven. Simply not true. Jesus said, when you follow me, the light of the world has life. When you follow me, the only road that leads to heaven is the road that Jesus is on. 
There's no other way. 1 John 1 and verse 5 through 9, it's on the screen. Let's read this. This is the message we've heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are fooling ourselves and are not living in truth. But if we confess our sin to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. We are a sinful people. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And we need Jesus. Jesus is the recipe. John 3, 20 and 21. Go read John 3, please. I know I've asked you to do that. Read that t- today or, or this, time in your, this week in your quiet time. He says, all, Jesus, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Here's a scary part, John 12, 35. Jesus said, my light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. This light is constant, and he requires us, if we want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, we must take up our, take up our cross and follow him. You know, I think one of the reasons that we often don't follow him as we get distracted. So I've asked our lighting guys, Francis is going to help us with this. He is going to bring the house lights down just a little bit. And what I want you to notice, what I want you to notice right now is how much more profound and prominent does this light become when the other lights in the room fade and dim. Reminds me of a a great hymn that says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full, y'all remember, in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Why do we miss Jesus? Why or how can we go through this life and not follow him, and not submit to him. Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, there are times when I can refuse to do what he has told me to do. I don't think we need to argue about that. There are times when we can refuse, we can resist him. But oh, that we would turn our eyes to him. You notice, that's the point. It becomes really bright when all the other things fade. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Follow Him to give yourself totally to Christ. You can bring those lights back up. In just a moment, we are going to have a time where you can submit 
to what He is calling you to do. Maybe this morning God is calling you to step out of a dark period in your life. You have positioned yourself away from Him. Or maybe you've turned your eyes to other things, and He's calling us to turn our eyes and follow Him, follow Him. Last point is um, for Christians, we are to reflect the light. I think this is important. Beside reflect the light, write this down, I am not the light. This is important for us to understand this. We are not the light. You say, well, wait a minute. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, you are the light of the world. Yes, he says, you are. He's speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to followers of Jesus, to the small group, Sermon on the Mount. And he says, you are emphatically. You're not going to be. You're not could be. You shouldn't be. He's not saying anything. He says, you're the light of the world. But he's not saying you're the source. Look, the explanation, he says, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Like a lamp, he says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. It's about position. It's about position here. Instead, it's placed on a lampstand where it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way, let your good deeds shine for all the world, for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I want to um, show you something real quick. I have what I believe that verse means right here. I think that what He is calling us to do is to reflect Him. I think He's saying, you are not the source of light, but what you are, adjust your beard if you want while I'm here, no? What you are is a reflection, or what we are to be is a reflection of Him. We are to reflect Jesus. Now, I am down here reflecting light. Believe it or not, I've studied light a little bit this week, last week. My light turned off. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, guys. That's great. Right now, this is true now that it's actually on. Right now, I am actually still reflecting that light right there. It's it's hitting that wall, the ceiling, and it's bouncing back. But can I reflect that light as I should way over here? I believe what he's saying, you are the light. He's saying position yourselves in such a way where others can see. Position yourself where you're bright. Get close to Jesus and watch Austin turn their lives to Him. Put position our light. When we get close to the light and we're serious about the light, all of a sudden we become a brightness. All of a sudden God, God shines through our lives and, and the world looks to us. People start walking up and saying, hey, what's different? Because we're ready. We're close to Him and we're listening to Him and we're ready to be obedient. We're ready to represent Him. We're not hiding in the shadows. We're bold. We are the light, reflections of Jesus Christ. And He's called us to Austin, Texas, to our Jerusalem, to our Samaria, across the world. And tomorrow, today, when you go to lunch, you have the chance to be a light that's bright and shining, or we can come over here and we can set it and do nothing with it. 
and refuse to represent Him. Jesus is calling us to represent Him, to be bright so the world can see us. I want us to close this morning um, with a couple, couple thoughts, and then I'm gonna, we're going to close. I, the psalmist, Psalm 119, verse 5, said, Oh, that my actions would constantly reflect your decrees. Oh, that my walk would reflect you, Jesus. Jesus is calling some good people to step into a role of representing Him. You know, representing Him maybe like never before. How are you going to respond to that? How are you going to respond to a Jesus that says, I'm everything? There, there is no second best to Jesus Himself. And yet, His love letters are here for us. We have what we need. We have the Word of life. We have the, the, the light of the world in His words to us. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It discerns the thoughts. It's, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Pierces to divide, asunder soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's a sword, and it discerns the thoughts and intents of our heart. And yet, some of us know Taylor Swift lyrics better than the Word of God. Why? Because we've positioned ourselves next to another light. That light may be okay, but Jesus wants us to reflect Him. Jesus wants us, and He's calling us, to make Him known. And that is the only way that our community is going to turn. And so what I want us to do is, is bow our heads and close our eyes. And I want to charge you just a moment and give you an opportunity to come forward and to pray with one of our pastors or counselors. But I want to call you and ask you um, to, to, to respond to Him in whatever way He is calling you to respond. While you have the opportunity this morning, young man, step away. Step out of the darkness. Step out of that dungeon and come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you realize that you are that person. You say, Daniel, that's me. I know who Jesus is. I know what Jesus did, but I have never followed. I've never made a decision to follow Him with my life. Take up your cross. This morning, that would look like you taking a knee, maybe right where you're at, or maybe come forward and talk to one of the pastors and say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to transfer my trust from self to the Savior and give your life to Him this morning. Maybe you're in this room and you're that mirror, and you've wandered away just a little bit, and you want to come back. He is very quick to receive a repented heart. And so that would look like you saying, Jesus, I'm coming home. And He's standing. His arms are wide open. He's waiting on you. Come rushing to Him. He'll meet you. He will meet you right where you're at. Father, thank You this morning for Your love for us. Thank You that the plan of salvation does not include my ability but my surrender. And so, God, we fly the white flag this morning. 
Would you come and get your own this morning? Would you draw hearts to salvation? Would you move across this room in the lives of your people? Help us to see you. Help us to represent you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand to your feet. Let's begin a time of worship. You obey and do what Jesus calls you to do. Whatever he's called you to do, you step in and you be obedient and follow him this morning. We are here to meet you at the front.